Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Marriage Matters in Our Future, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on February 26, 2017. Well, I had a friend in high school, and uh, a really, really cool young man, and uh, we hung out, you know, quite a bit um, through our middle school and high school years, and uh, I'd get to go hang out at his house on occasion, not very often, but on occasion, and uh, what was interesting to me is I look back on some of my friendships, some of the relationships that uh, I was privileged to be a part of. Um, I look at this young man's life, and I, and, I, and I watched him at home, and then I also watched him as we interacted with our peers, and we hung out with different friends. And, and what was kind of interesting as I look back on it is that when he was at home, he was this very um, good kid. He was all that his parents wanted him to be. Um, he cleaned his room. Uh, he was very respectful. He did all of the right things at home. But then once he walked out the door, once we kind of would leave his house and we'd go hang out with um, our friends and our peers, this young man became someone so completely different. You know, he he abused alcohol, he abused drugs, um, he was sexually immoral, he did all of those things that would cause us to wonder, you know, does this guy know Jesus? And what's interesting to me is, is, is I think back to this young man. He lived in this wonderful environment, an environment of two loving parents that, that cared for him and nurtured him. And he got that. He, he felt that. And in that environment, he held on to that. But the minute he walked out that door, for whatever reason, he became something so completely different. Why do you think that was? You know, I think back on that friendship and, and, and I just kind of don't understand it myself. And, but then I think about my own life and, and re- really I, I haven't been much different than that. I look back at my life and I realize there's times and seasons, especially as a young man, where in one environment I was something and then when I went into another environment I began to be something different based on that environment. And we we have to kind of ask ourselves, does the environment change us or do we just make the decision to be a part of that environment? See, relationships can be very hard. I, I don't know how you guys feel about relationships, but they're probably the toughest thing we can do in this lifetime is be in relationship with somebody or or be in a relationship with someone whether it be a parenting relationship, whether it be a a marriage relationship, whether it be a a dating relationship, it's tough. It's a hard thing to do. And there's times when we're just ourselves in that relationship, whether it's good or bad, we're ourselves. And then there's other times when we kind of conform or we change uh, based on the relationship. We behave in certain ways in different relationships. See, we see that kind of mindset in relationships all the time. I'm sure there's people that you know right now, maybe it may be you, that, that when they're in the workplace, they're one thing, 
And then when they get home, they're, they're another person. Or if they're hanging out with, you know, their, their football buddies or their, their sewing buddies, then there's something completely different. You like the sewing part, huh? <laughs> so you didn't, ladies, you didn't think I was going to get to you, did you? <laughs> but you become something completely different. I want you to kind of think about that. I want, I want you to kind of think about your own life and the different environments that you get to interact with, the different relationships that you have. And I want you to ask yourself, do you put on your Sunday best only to leave here to give your Monday worst? And that may sound odd, but, but it's really true because sometimes Sunday mornings we come and we're, you know, we, we really look good and we feel good and we're here to worship and we love Jesus so much. And then Monday morning comes and we have to go to work. We have to deal in those relationships. And we don't always give our best in those relationships, do we? Sometimes we become something completely different, something that I don't think God intended us to become. See, we behave differently in different relationships. This morning, if you would grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at a few passages, but I want to start with the first couple of verses and really kind of think about what Paul is trying to communicate as he writes this letter to the church. And he's reflecting on relationships here. He's talking about how we interact in our culture and in the culture at that time. And I love how he begins chapter 6 in verse 1. You guys ready? Yes, no, maybe so? You didn't think I was going to ask, did you? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, he says this. He says, Working together with him, Jesus... It's a partnership. It's in relation to him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Do you hear that? He says, working together with him. Working together with Jesus in a partnership, in in relationship. See, the problem that we have when we go into our relationships, when we're in our different environments, we don't always bring Jesus with us, do we? See, I I think about my my friend, and and he knew Jesus. His mom was was a a very faithful Christian. His dad was a, a very faithful believer, They went to church every Sunday and and on Wednesday nights, they lived that life. That was his home life. That was his culture in those moments. See, the problem that my friend had, the thing that, that you and I, that we face sometimes is that when we leave a certain environment or dynamic, our culture, and we have Jesus in that culture, we don't always take him with us. We don't remember in partnership with him We go into other relationships, into other cultures, into other areas of our community and do life. See, and this is why we live without success in our relationships. And it really comes down to the fact that we don't seek the right partnerships. 
We don't seek to partner with Jesus in all of our relationships. We don't seek to put God right in the middle of our work relationships or our personal relationships or our romantic relationships or our marriage relationships or our peer relationships. So we kind of reserve Jesus for Sundays. And I think back to, to my friend in my own life and the kind of the things that we did together and I realized that was really the core and the root of our problem in our relationships. And I'll tell you, the, the, the friendships, the relationships that, that, that we had, they were all unhealthy relationships. They didn't last very long. They were up and down. And that's the core of our problem today. Well, as we look at our passage here in a few moments, we're going to look a little further into chapter 6 here. I want you to think about something. I want you to ask yourself, what am I doing? I want you to take this personal. As Paul says these things, I want you to take this personal. I want you to say, what am I doing in my relationships to help them be successful? What is my part in this? What am I doing? See, in our passage today, Paul is reminding the church that they cannot be unequally yoked. And immediately when we hear that aspect, we go right to marriages and our minds are like, well, I'm not married, that doesn't relate to me. But I'll tell you, here in this passage, here to the church at Corinth, Paul isn't talking just to the married people. See, Paul is talking to those that are followers of Jesus Christ, whether you're single, you're married, you're widowed, whoever you are, if you walk with Jesus, Paul is saying, do not be unequally yoked. He says, don't be in fellowship or partnership with unbelievers. And we're going to learn a few things here. So I want to preface this with you also by saying is that, that this isn't what Paul isn't saying that we cannot be friends with unbelievers. This, this, Paul isn't saying that we have to separate ourselves from the world around us and kind of get into a holy huddle and leave ourselves in this place where only the holy people can gather together. He's saying something very specific about our relationships and what they should look like. And he offers us some very helpful counsel here. See, he's telling us that we have to guard our hearts. and We kind of have to protect ourselves in some ways. Let's pray together and then we'll read the passage. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your, your amazing love. We thank you that we get to gather together and, and uh, sing your praises, to sing songs that would glorify you, Father. But we know that even if we just say those words, that doesn't mean we're glorifying you, Father. We know that you see our hearts. Lord, so I pray this morning that, that if our hearts aren't right, that you would make them right. Father, if we've walked in here dirty and, and we feel like we just... We don't belong here this morning, that, that this morning you would remind us that we do. We belong here. And Father, that you'll cleanse us, you'll forgive us, and you'll wash us, and you'll make us new. And Father, as we open up your word, as we read these passages together as your people, Father, that your spirit would speak to us, and that you would lead us, and you would guide us, and you would help us to see the things that you desire for our relationships. Lord, that we would take this word personally and that we would only look to ourselves, to our own hearts 
and that you would help us to have a change of heart so that our worship, our intimacy would just grow that much deeper. Lord, I thank you for this this morning. I thank you for every heart that's here and I pray your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read um, verses 14 through 18 together. Again, Paul is talking about something very specific when he says these things. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, let's start in verse 14. Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Well, there are a couple things that we can learn from this passage about finding a mate. The title of this message is Looking for a Mate, and it's kind of a trick question when I ask that question, because right away, immediately, we go to a single person that's looking for maybe a spouse. But the way God teaches us is he reminds us that he creates partnerships. He creates covenants. Even in a marriage bond, in a marriage relationship, it is a partnership. It is a covenant of two people in the presence of God giving themselves sacrificially to honor and glorify and to serve God. So I think what happens sometimes is as individuals in our humanity, we start to look for a mate and we begin with the humanity side of it. We begin looking for the opposite sex. We begin looking for individuals that we can partner with and to do life with. But God says, hey, let me be your partner. Just like Paul said when he opened opened us up in this passage, he said, working together with him in partnership with Jesus Christ, let's not take this grace that we have been given and use it in vain. Not let it be productive. Let's let it be useful. So there's a few things that we can learn. And the first thing that we see here, it may sound simplistic, but it's just simply to avoid being in unhealthy relationships. Just avoid being in unhealthy relationships. You know, I I don't want to sound condescending, so forgive me if that's how this sounds because it's not the case. We're all adults in here. Whether you're 13 or you're older than that, we're all adults in here. And I think as we live life, we realize when there is a healthy relationship happening or beginning and we realize when there's not a healthy relationship. And I think for most of us, we have that common sense to know that that if this is an unhealthy relationship, then I should avoid it. I should move away from it. 
And see, that's what Paul is saying here in these first couple of verses, 14 and 15. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Seems pretty simplistic, right? You know, how, how can we be equally yoked with someone that is, is in complete opposition to who we are and what we believe? When he talks about being yoked to a, a believer and an unbeliever, being yoked together, that's two people that are in complete opposition. See, Paul is referencing these false teachers, these people that are misleading and misguiding the church. And he says, you cannot be in partnership with individuals like that. He says, it'll never work. See, the picture that he's painting here is just that. You know, it's, it's interesting to see and to think when I, I look back at my friend, and I know I'm picking on him a little bit as I was no different than he was, but I, but I think about the partnerships that he entered into and the friendships that he was in, and, and you can completely see it now. You know, you think it would have been obvious for him knowing what he knew and believing what he believed and having the family and the environment that he grew up in. That to avoid these unhealthy relationships would be like, I get it. I'm not hanging out with you because, you know, I know that if I do, this is going to lead me to a path that I don't need to be in. A place where I don't want to go. A place where God doesn't want me to be. But for some reason in our humanity, we just don't do that sometimes. Sometimes we see an unhealthy relationship and we realize that that, that individual that we're um, considering partnering with or, or are doing something specific in life with, whether it be in a marriage or in a, a work relationship or a, or a business relationship, whatever it is, we see that and we see all the signs and yet we still take the step towards it. We end up yoking ourselves to something that we shouldn't yoke ourselves to. Now, I want to be very careful when I say this, okay? Because I, I know there are, there are many relationships that, that are already together, many marriages, many relationships that are already together that are unequally yoked. So, nor Paul nor myself are we saying that because of that, you need to separate, because that's not what God's Word teaches. What, what Paul is saying here and what I am saying here is that if you see that coming your way, do what the Bible says. Avoid that unhealthy relationship. Don't let it go there. And that doesn't mean that you can't enter into a friendship because there's a difference between a partnership and a friendship. And the differences are pretty clear. Righteousness and lawlessness Believer, unbeliever. So if you're already married, if you're already in a relationship with someone that's an unbeliever, I want you to flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And Paul gives us counsel in that also. And he doesn't say leave your spouse. He doesn't say anything 
in that regard. Instead, he teaches us how to love our spouse, how to, how to pray for them, how to encourage them. You see, he talks to us about these things. He gives us the counsel and he helps us to understand the difference between healthy and unhealthy. I want you to hear what it says, what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because I think sometimes we think that we can save people. How many in this room are fixers? Men and women. I know there's, there's a lot of ladies in here that are fixers. You know, I, I'm a fixer. So when there's a problem or something's wrong, man, my heart, I, I tell you, as pure as it, it can be, I want to fix it. You know, if, if I see somebody hurting, if I see somebody that needs I mean, I just, I want to fix it. I, and I, I say that with the, the greatest of sincerity and humility. I want to fix it. But, but I've learned over the years that, that I, I can't always fix things. You know, I, I can tighten a screw on, on, a, on, a, on a bench. That I can do. I can fix that. But when it comes to, to some of the brokenness that we'll see in life and some of the things that, that we deal with in sickness and relational issues, those things I cannot fix myself. See, only Jesus can fix that. Those of you that are here this morning and, and that are single and maybe wondering, you know, does God have someone for me? I, I want you to know something very clearly here. There, there is no such thing as missional dating. I read an article this last week and, and the gentleman spoke towards missional dating. And it, it sparked my interest because I was like, missional dating? I'm all about the missions. Yeah, let's do this. Check out this article. But what the, the pastor was saying in this article is he's saying that, that so often, so many times, we go into relationships thinking that we can fix or save somebody. And the truth of the matter is that we can't. See, we don't have that kind of power. You know, he, he gave this analogy, this reference, and, and I have a chair, a stool up here because I wanted you to see it. And uh, he just gave this picture of, of him standing on a chair and then inviting somebody over and saying, hey, why don't you come on over and I want to challenge you. Can, can you pull me off of this chair or will I be able to pull you up on this chair? And who do you think would win? That's not rhetorical. You can answer that. Who would win? Who thinks they can pull me off of this chair? Every one of you could. (laughs) Come on now. Don't give me too much credit. I can do a push-up or two, but that's about it, you know. That's the truth of it. And he called this this analogy, this picture, the, the gravity of depravity. See, because too many times we go into our relationships thinking that, that we can pull someone up onto something and force them into something, put a yoke on them, tie them up, and make them commit whether they want to or not. See, and that's where this reference that, that Paul is talking about comes from. Because if you look at the culture in their time, you see that a yoke puts two animals together. It binds them together. And he's saying you, you cannot put an ox with a donkey. Because an ox will be obedient and a donkey will be stubborn and disobedient. Just like I can't pull you up onto this bench. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'm not strong enough. That's not my role. That's not my part. 
So back to 1 Corinthians 3. Listen to what Paul says here. And this is reflection of some divisiveness in the church, but he helps people to have a clarity, an understanding of who has the power, who has the glory, and who's in control. Starting in verse 5, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the what? The growth. God does the saving. God does the fixing. God does the repairs. He said, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. See, it's not our responsibility to change anybody. It's our responsibility to plant seeds of, excuse me, plant seeds of faith, water where others have planted, and trust that God will grow. Trust that God will lead and he will guide and he will help them. So a better picture of the chair would be us standing on this chair and saying, hey, brother, sister, friend, co-worker, and God has, God has lifted me up and he's given me something very specific. Would you like to come up and see? And if you do, I want you to know, I'll, I'll help you up. I'll help you on this journey. I'll, I'll walk with you. And I want you to know God will take you right where you stand. God will take you right where you are. And he's put me in your life so that I can help you. But we have to remember, we have to avoid those relationships that lead us down unhealthy aspects because we cannot pull anybody up. It's not in our power. See, we can't tie ourselves to someone that is in complete opposition of who we are in relationship of who God desires us to be. We have to be very careful of that. You know, it's interesting when you think about the analogy of the ox and the donkey. You've got to ask yourself, well, which one am I? I, I? I'm not calling you an animal or anything like that. But you, you think of the picture that, that Paul is drawing because it's, it's reflective and relative to the community, the culture that he's in. You know, he's speaking to Jew and Gentile and they understand the difference between an ox and a donkey. They get the purpose and the plan that each one has. So you have to ask yourself, which one am I? Am I the one that, that's obedient or am I the one that is not so much obedient? Well, if we can come up with a, an honest answer to that simple question, which one am I? It will help us to move towards the next thing that Paul tells us here. And it's simply just to, to do your part in your relationships. Do your part. Again, it, it sounds so simple. Do your part. Listen to what he says here, starting in verse 16. He says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out 
from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. See, there's a a couple of things that we can note in this little passage which helps us to understand how we do our part in our relationships because it's important that we do our part, isn't it? I mean, I, I couldn't have married my wife and just expected her to do everything. Although I did. <laughs> I honestly did at the beginning. See, I have a part to play. And the first thing that I have to realize is that I have to know where God lives. Do you guys know where God lives? Do you? What did the passage just tell us? within us see we are we are god's temple see old testament to new testament people that believed in god saw the church as the building jesus came and he changed that he changed our understanding of how we view the church the church is god's people and now as god's people we are the dwelling place of the living god God wants to dwell in us and through us. See, and we have to understand if we're going to do our part, we have to understand that God lives in us and through us. And that's why he's saying, don't touch these unclean things. Don't do these things that you did before. He says, because righteousness and unrighteousness, they're not equally yoked. I want to dwell in you. I want to live through you. I, I kind of thought of it this way because um, we always have people over to our house for different reasons, small group, whatever. And I thought about it this way. If we were getting ready for company, for God to come over, would we run over to the next door neighbor and knock on the door and say, hey, we need to clean your house. God's coming to mine. But that's what we do in our relationships, don't we? We go to our, our friend or our spouse or whoever we're at and we say, hey, look, man, you need to clean yourself up. So, but God teaches us differently, doesn't he? He says we need to clean our own house. We need to make our own hearts right. We need to focus on the, the log that's in our eye before we can help someone else deal with the little speck in theirs. Again, we have to remember where God dwells, where God lives. See, and God says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 16. He reminds us that he wants to live with you. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you, underline that, and you are God's temple. In John fourteen twenty three, Jesus says this. He says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. And there it is again. We will what? Make our home. With who? With them. With you. With me. If we love Jesus, we walk with Jesus, if we do our part, we understand where God lives, We have God's power, God's strength. 
And the second thing we see here is that we are to live like we know God. Do you live Monday through Sunday like you know God? That's a tough question. I'll be honest with you, I don't 24-7. There's moments when I'm driving down the road and that guy cuts me off, I'm like, (laughs) I tell my family this all the time. And I think we ought to implement this, excuse me, implement this as a a new law. I'm calling it the water balloon law, all right? So when someone cuts you off or they do something nasty to you on the road, instead of, you know, doing what we would typically do, we get the privilege of grabbing a water balloon that we carry and we just throw it at their car. Right? No damage done, right? Makes us feel better. Their car's just a little wet. It dries, goes away. We're good. What do you think? I know. Sorry. That's just my, my crazy thinking. I'm sorry. But do we live like we know God in every circumstance, in every situation, in every relationship? You know, I love what it says in Galatians. And I put in your notes there, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And I, I want to challenge you guys this week to, to read that and really think about it because in that, in that passage there, it gives us a descriptive of two different people, two different environments, two different cultures, and two different mindsets. See, it gives us the, the deeds of the flesh, but then it gives us the fruit of the Spirit. See, it helps us to see what someone that doesn't walk with Jesus God doesn't dwell in them what, what, is, what their lives will bear. But then it tells us that if we let God dwell in us, if we allow him to reside in us and live through us, if we walk in step with God's spirit, the things that we'll bear, the life that we'll live, see, we'll live like we know God. We'll honor him. See, God says, be separate from the things that will lead you away from me. And then when you have turned from those things, he says, you will become my child. You will call me father. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To think that we can call God, the creator of all things, father, to have that kind of intimacy with God? Isn't Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? that God has allowed us that privilege. Jesus is the son of God and Jesus refers to us as brothers and sisters. God created all things. He created you and I and he gives us that privilege, that opportunity to be intimate with him in a way that we can call him father. I think we should be in awe of that. That should just do something inside of us that just changes us completely. And that should move us to do our part in every one of our relationships. Well, as we close here, I want to ask you this. Where do we begin? Where's our first step? What's our next step to understanding when we're looking for a mate, what we can do to uh, avoid unhealthy relationships and do our part to build healthy ones? Well, I want to start by saying We start with ourselves. We ask God to search our hearts. We search our own hearts. We we remove all those things that, that would get in the way of that relationship, that intimacy with God. I don't know what that is for you. I only know what that is for me.
But I think we need to start there. But we also have to understand what do we need to begin? Where do we start? Well, we, we start with this. I want to offer it to you right here. We start with this. Do you guys know what this is? It's a box. Right. It's a box. But I want to give you a visual because it's kind of a pretty box, isn't it? I want to give you a visual with this. I want you to think about it like this. See, we start in partnership with Jesus. We begin with Jesus, in partnership with him. See, we receive what Jesus is offering each and every person in this room. It's a free gift, and that free gift is salvation. That free gift is eternal life. See, the Bible teaches us that, that, that we all fall short of God's glory, that we have all sinned, we've all messed up, we have all missed the mark. But the Bible also teaches us that, that Jesus came, and he came with a purpose. He came and he not only died on a cross so that he could pay that price for our sins, but he rose again on the third day so he can offer us this free gift of salvation to prove to us that he is God in flesh, that he is the Redeemer, the Messiah, and he offers every one of us this gift. And I tell you what, when we receive this gift, when we take this gift, when we freely accept this gift, God will change us. And it'll help us to understand some really great things. And one of those great things is that we take this gift, this free gift, and we offer it to someone next to us. We just simply say, will you receive this gift? Will you accept the love that God has for you? See, this gift wasn't for us just to hold on to and to keep for ourselves. This gift was given to all mankind. And our responsibility, if we've received this gift, is to share that with others. See, it goes back to the chair here. If I'm going to stand up here and say, hey, come, I've got to reach out. And I've got to offer and say, hey, look, Jesus offers this gift of salvation. I want you to hear what the Bible says about this gift. Romans 3, 23 and 24, it's in your notes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Here it is. Through the redemption that is in his son, Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 4 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Paul's offering the gift that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And one of my favorite passages, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, God offers us a free gift. Each and every single person. And if we want to to have a mate, if we want to, to partner, 
if we want to grow in our faith, if we want to move forward from this day on, if we want to really experience everything that God has for us and desires for us, it all begins with one person. And who is that person? Say it loud. Come on, let me hear you. Jesus Christ. Amen. Because there's power in that name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And when we receive that free gift, when we accept the gift of salvation, that brings change to us. And that'll bring change in our relationships. That'll bring change in our marriages. That'll be, bring change with our, our parenting. That'll bring pr- change in our, in our dating and the way we see and do life together as a community. So I want to ask you this morning as we close, have you received that free gift? And if you have, praise God for that. Then you need to ask yourself, am I sharing this free gift with all those around me? Am I sharing this love and this hope that Jesus Christ has given us? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close here this morning. And I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. If you have not received that free gift this morning, I want to ask you to take that step today to just simply trust Jesus, to believe with your hearts, to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that not only did he die on a cross for you so that you can have forgiveness of your sins, but he rose again on that third day And he rose so that he could show you that there is eternal life and that life is meant to be spent with him. See, God created us for relationship. God created us to be in relationship with him. And by simply receiving this free gift, right where you are, right where you stand, no matter your sin, no matter what you've brought here today, God offers you this free gift. And all you have to do is receive it, accept it. If you do that today, I promise you, God will change your life. He will help you to become who he intended you to become. Father, we we thank you this morning for all that you are in our lives. Father, relationships are so tough. They're so hard and there's so many things that that your word says in reflection to helping us deal with these relationships, to, to live healthy in these relationships, Father. But we know and we understand that, that we have to take those steps. And those steps begin with you. Or they begin with a relationship, with an intimacy with your son, Jesus Christ. Father, this morning, I pray that every heart here, every soul here has taken that step today. Whether it be for the first time, the second time, or the third time. Father, your mercies are new each and every day. You are the God of second chances. So no matter what we did yesterday, we know that we have grace and we have forgiveness and we have the free gift of salvation each and every single day. And it comes through your son, Jesus Christ. If we were just to believe and confess with our mouths, not only are you Savior, but you are Lord. Father, I thank you for that. Thank you for the reminder this morning. And as we go into our our work week, as we go into this world, Father, help us to understand 
that we can live in this world and still honor and glorify you in every way. Lord, that we can offer this free gift of salvation to all those that you place in front of us. Lord, because you intended it for all mankind, Father. You created us. Your word tells us, it reminds us that salvation is for all, all those that would receive. So Father, help us to to be your people, to be your children, to keep this temple holy and righteous, keep it clean, and turn away from the unhealthy relationship so that we can move into healthy relationship with you as we call you Father and our Lord and our Savior and our Redeemer and all the glorious names that we have given you, Father, that you have reminded us of this morning. Lord, we thank you for this. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we do it all in the precious name. And the church said, Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.